Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. We're going to read from the New Living Translation this Sunday morning. Matthew chapter 27, verse 46. If you have it, grab your Bibles. If you do not have it, in your syllabus, if you're following along and you have your syllabus, there is an actual timeline that we've written in there, given composed and put together of the history of Jesus and the cross and all that has taken place during this holy week. Friday, we had a wonderful, wonderful Good Friday service here, had a packed house, and it was just wonderful. Uh, Today is just a day that we celebrate Jesus coming out of the grave. And so we're going to talk about this, and we're going to be explaining and hitting it from a different perspective. So I think you'll really enjoy this today. Verse 46, verse 46, this is the moment that we find Jesus on the cross. And he, he gives his last breath and he cries out with one last cry. Verse 46 says, about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Some of the bystanders misunderstood and thought he was calling the prophet Elijah. One of them ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, holding it up to him on a reed stick so he could drink it. But the rest said, wait, let's see whether Elijah comes to save him. Isn't that, isn't that sad how Jesus became a, just a spectacle? And every one of them didn't know what would happen. They thought, well, let's see what happens next. They were in for the shock of their lives. Because the further on, the scripture says that they did. One of them ran, filled the sponge with sour wine, holding up to him on a reed stick so he can drink it. And the rest said again, wait, let's see what happens. And then Jesus shouted out and he released his spirit. That means at this very moment, he was releasing the spirit of God that was inside of him. Because you see, God never died, never can die, and never would die. But God sent his son, and the flesh died. So in that moment, the spirit was withdrawing itself from the flesh. And then Jesus, in his humanity, cries out and says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So in that moment, verse 51, something miraculous takes place. And at that moment, the the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, rocks split apart, and tombs opened. Everyone say, tombs opened. Now listen to this. Not too many people talk about this because there's a lot of controversy Concerning this topic, it says that the bodies of godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. They left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection. Now, I want you to catch this. When Jesus' spirit had been sent to the Father... When the Spirit of God began to move in the earth and the temple was torn into two, 
the Spirit of God moved in power and the earth began to quake. Now, where was the first place Jesus went to? The scripture says first he descended into the earth. And if you want to know what was happening in hell, all I can tell you is, is that God himself went down there and grabbed the keys. We heard this before of death, hell, and the grave took the sting out of death for us. But I'm going to tell you, things are rocking down there. He went to go take care of some business. And I do believe the repercussions of all that was happening in hell was just brought in up surface as an earthquake. That's just my opinion. You do the study and you pray about that, but everything changed. But one thing that occurred was the godly men and women that were dead, he brought them back to life. But the scripture says it specifically. They came out, they were resurrected, but they stayed in their tombs until after Jesus came out himself. And the Roman soldier officer and the other soldiers crucified at the crucifixion were terrified by the earthquake and all that had happened. And they said, this man truly was the son of God. On this Resurrection Sunday, just for a moment, I, I want you to just hear me out. With God's help, I'm going to explain a concept to you and a principle here. For those that were waiting in their tombs for Jesus to come out, they were like sprinters. They were like those fixing to run the race, waiting for their moment. We're going to talk about that today. On your mark, get set, go. On your mark, get set. It's time for you to come out of your tomb. I want you to turn to somebody and I want you to tell them your foot is on the cross, but you got to go past your salvation. You're on your mark. Your life is set. Now it's time to step up by faith. Someone say, God, touch this service today. In Jesus' name, give him one more hand clap. Come on, just love on him. Tell him thank you. Now somebody shout out, talk to me, Jesus. Talk to us, Lord. You can be seated. God bless you. God bless you. It is a very controversial subject when you read this and find out what most scholars have written and discussed. It really is really believed that it caused a lot of problems within the church, this incident. No other writer writes about this except Matthew. Matthew wrote about this, and he talked about the resurrection of those godly men and women. And if you can just for one moment, if you can just imagine what happened on that day when, when they came out of their tomb, after Jesus resurrected, he showed himself to just, a couple of women who went to the sepulcher and he gave them a message and said, go talk to Peter. Let Peter know that I have been resurrected. But the rest of those people we don't hear about except through Matthew. And when they came out of the tombs, the scripture says they went into Jerusalem and they began to go and talk to people. Now imagine just for a second you're at the mall, you're at the grocery store, and there's a, there's like you think that there's a riot outside, but really what's happened is God resurrected some people, and there is your Thea, the one that said she's going to come back to get you. 
I want you to think about that for one moment. Your grandma, when she said, if you misbehave, I'm going to come back. You understand what I'm saying? What's going on here? What's happening here? We don't understand it. And I do believe that those people, they lived the rest of their life on the earth. It never said that they were ascended into heaven like Jesus was ascended. He gave them a second chance. That's amazing. He gave them a second chance, and they lived life. You'll find further in the scriptures just for those students, for those of you who, who want to research this more, you'll find that even Paul writes to Timothy uh, concerning the controversy that there were some people that believed that the resurrection had already taken place, and so it became a very doctrinal issue, but, but that's not what we're going to talk about today. Because the apostle Paul writes further and says that one day there is going to be a resurrection when everyone, good and bad, will come back and then the great judgment will take place. But today we're going to be talking about those people that were in their tombs when they were resurrected and alive. The patience of waiting there for three days. So when you look at the timeline, it's when Jesus was killed, the body and the spirit went back and was given to God. But here's, here's what God did. He went back into the earth for three days. For three days, Jesus, he was there. That means three days they had to wait in their sepulchers, in their tombs. And after three days, then they came out. When you look at this, it's so ironic how Jesus was able to profess and prophesy his resurrection. He, he, he was able to run the race. The irony of that is that Paul writes later and conveys running the race, running and looking and, and keeping everything that stops us and to get, them, get it off of us, anything that would restrict us for us to run. That was the life of Jesus. We're to walk with God. We're to commune with him on a daily basis. But there are times God asks us to run. There are times God asks us to step out by faith and, and do the right thing and take a chance. If you look at the life of Christ, it's like 30 years of his life was in preparation for this three-day marathon he was fixing to run. For this race. It started at Calvary. It was his mark. He was at Calvary, and from that point on, it, it propelled him and allowed him to move forward and to, and to be watched. Everyone had their eyes on Jesus. Everyone knew what he had declared. Some misunderstood him. When Jesus said to them, uh, destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it up again, they, they had no clue he was talking about his body. But what he was saying was, he's gonna, he was saying to them, listen, listen. Um, you're going to see me run this race, and I, I've got a job to do, but, and I have a responsibility, but I am going to win. After three days, you're going to see me cross the finish line. I am going to finish what my father has set me to do. Much like an athlete would send back and say, I'm going to win today by this many points. Not very, very, many, very many people have done this before. Uh, only one I can really think of in history was Babe Ruth. It's it said that he actually stood at the home plate in one game and he took his bat and he pointed it over the stands, signifying that he was fixing to hit a home run. And he did. 
But Jesus said, in three days, I'm going to come again. I'm going to be resurrected. The irony is that every eye was on Jesus. Paul writes about this concerning our life. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us trip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that is so easily trips us up. Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. It said it like this of Jesus. Instead of endurance, it said not only endurance, but he endured the cross with the joy for the joy set before him. That means that he took off and he endured using the same verbiage that you would use with the runner. And his mark was the cross. But life for us in this race begins as the cross as well. Begins right there at forgiveness and the mercy of God. That's where we start our life. And that's where God begins to move. But it says that we are surrounded, the church at least, the Hebrews were surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. We've taught this before in our series on Hebrews. And what we have taught and what we have seen in the scripture, that reference to the crowd of witnesses is actually referencing those that were mentioned prior in the book of Hebrews in the 11th chapter. That it says that us, them without us would be incomplete. That they were the witnesses. Those in the hall of faith, those that were there before us are looking and hoping that we would fulfill the calling of accepting what the grace of God would be. That's what they were looking for. They were looking for a kingdom, a city whose builder and maker was God. And here we are fulfilling what they were looking for. And, and therefore, they didn't die in vain, but they gave their life and we helped fulfill the promise. And, and aren't you thankful that God enabled us and loved us and forgave us? And here we are. We don't deserve to be here, but we are here we may not deserve the good things in life, but God is good, isn't he? Somebody say amen. amen. And here we are. Now, when God saves us, our race, our run begins. Some get resurrected. See, that's what baptism was. See, when you went to the cross, the, the place of faith, you asked God to forgive you. At the cross. How many believe that's a first step to coming to God? Is at the cross. We don't have to go there physically, but by faith we can go there because Jesus went there for us. But then we go to God and we ask him for forgiveness and, and we accept the, the mercy of God. And then, then we make the declaration and take on the name of Christ. And then we're baptized into a body and we're born again, the body of believers. And that's why when you're water baptized, the scripture says that you are buried with Christ. And then you're resurrected to the newness of life. An open profession of your faith, making a declaration. Like Jesus, after three days. But your declaration is... No matter what failures come my way, 
no matter what my past looks like, nothing is going to stop me because the old man is buried and I'm a new man today and I'm not afraid to step out and live my life. I belong to him now. I'm covered by the blood. I have faith in the blood. I have faith in the body and the sacrifice. And, and I remember that I had a commitment with God, and, and I'm, I have his name, and I've been buried with him. But now God calls us to experience the resurrection. And that resurrection power is given to all, and it is available to all. It is exactly the same spirit that was in Christ. Because after that resurrection, Jesus, he didn't just go straight from earth to heaven. He spent 40 days and 40 nights. He took his time because he had already won. Have you ever noticed that in those 40 days and 40 nights, no devil ever messed with him from that time on? Doesn't talk about him fighting demons. It doesn't talk about him delivering. He did many miracles, the scripture said, but it wasn't fighting devils. He proved himself for those who loved him, his disciples. Luke writes about it. The doctor writes about how he ate with them. He had supper with them. He did many marvelous things and gave them direction and instruction. Took his time. You see, winners have nothing to fear. After you know that you've won in your mind, you can rest in that. And you can have peace in that. In fact, that's what they say every Olympic athlete and sprinter has to have. One of, the, one of the attitudes they have to possess, whether or not they think they can or can't, it doesn't matter. If they don't walk up with the winning attitude and see themselves winning, they should never step up to the mark. Jesus knew he would win. Jesus knew he would make it. Jesus knew he would come out of the grave. Jesus knew who he was. What he spent time doing was trying to help the disciples know who they were. And they were fixing to run. And they had a job. And the apostle Paul even said it himself, when I have run, I have ran my race well at the end of his life. And I'm fixing to cross over. We have a reward, everyone. We have a reward because of what we have. What I love about the fact that when Jesus stepped up, he said, I will show you. No devil, no problem, no drama is going to stop. No government, no Roman soldier will stop me from fulfilling the will of my father. I will rise again. The first point I want to give you is this, is you always have to remember, it's the resurrection that sets the time. The resurrection sets the time. There's a time for everything. There's a time in our life for everything. In fact, we learned about this last, last a couple of weeks ago, actually, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 Verse 11 says, yet God has made everything beautiful in his own time. He has planted eternity. Everyone say eternity. See, 
this is what we need a revelation and an understanding from time to time on is that we're not on our time we're really in God's time when you're a child of God when you belong to him every human being to be quite honest with you has been born with the spiritual nature of God we are made in the image of God but how much more for those that have been born again to have the eternal spirit living with inside of them this writer begins to build on that and he says God has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. But you have a knowing inside of you. You have an understanding. You can see you have this thing that we call sometimes intuition. And it's a God-given thing. Some of you have a, just a sensitivity in your spirit, and you can, you can see yourself winning. You can see the victory in your family. You can see your children coming to God. You can see your body being healed. You can understand that there is something in you that is calling the shots and setting the time. And when you allow God to set the time in your life, you step out of our schedule timing and you never get discouraged because it looks like it never, to others, it's never going to happen. What are, you, what are you facing right now? What is slowing you down on this Resurrection Sunday? Let's take note that it doesn't matter if it's a sickness, a disease, a report, a bad report from the doctor. It doesn't matter if it's on the verge of bankruptcy, your business, your, your career. It doesn't matter if you got bad news last week or yesterday or just a minute ago. It doesn't matter what it may be and what you're facing. If it's going to die, let it die because the resurrection will bring it back to life. And if God said he's going to do this, and if God said he will fulfill it, then believe it and trust in what's inside of you. You've got God's timing on your side. God's made us this way. God never wanted us to depend on our own timing. We get so flustered with life because things don't happen when we think they should happen. Can you imagine what happened to the disciples of Jesus? After three days, his disciples were walking along the seashore walking on the beach, and they were sad. Jesus joined himself to them, and, and it says they didn't recognize him, but Jesus was walking with them, and he said, why are you all so sad? His disciple says, haven't you heard? Jesus, Rabboni, the teacher, the prophet, we thought he was the Messiah, we thought he was the one. He began to talk to them. He began to reveal himself. And then he left. And they realized that was him. Did not our hearts burn when he talked with us? See, people who are on God's time and know God's timing, they know when God said something to them. They got witness that he's still in control. He is still there. But God allows everyone else to see, and God allows you to go through. Those men that professed that this was the Messiah, think about this for one moment. Those men, those men that told everyone this is him, were now facing the scrutiny and the criticism of everyone else that questioned the mandate of the Messiah. And they had to go through only three days. 
but they were intense days. I mean, how many of you have ever been at work and you're eager to get off and you've been good because you've been focusing on your work and it seemed like time has flown by, but you happen to look up at the last hour and you can't stop looking at it? Has that ever happened to you? And you're like, oh, my God, I should never have looked at the clock. If I'd just been focused, kept my eyes down, it would have passed by like all the rest of the hours. But those disciples were looking at every minute of the sun rising and falling. Three days, three sunsets. It was a long three days. I'm talking to someone here on this Easter Sunday who, who feels like it's been a long time. I've been waiting for a good while. And I'm here to encourage you and tell you that you're on God's timing. You're on God's time. And when God decides to step into your life and prove himself, he'll take all the time you think that has been wasted and lost and cause you to have a new beginning in your life. A new beginning. But he wants everyone to see. He wants everyone to take knowledge. He wants everybody to see you fall. Not, not, not be a failure. Fall. See, there's a big difference. You can fall and you can stay down and be called a failure. But the moment you get back up, you're not a failure anymore. But isn't it embarrassing sometimes when we go through things how God allows everyone to know? Yeah. Smile at me if that's you. Don't wave. Don't give yourself away. If you're in, especially if you're in it right now. Just smile. Say, I understand what you're talking about. Here's the good news. All eyes are on you for his sake. Point number two. All eyes are on you for his sake. What, what's this? What's this? John 11 34 and 44. So, so Jesus is walking. He's ministering, and he tells his friends, it's time for us to go visit my friend Lazarus. He really, he referred to him as sleeping. Time to go wake him up. He's been asleep long enough. Four days, right? Someone say he, he's on God's time. He was on God's time. That, that's all it was. He was on God's time because listen to what it says. When Jesus gets there, he says, roll the stone aside. Jesus told them, but, but Martha, Martha who has to have everything just right, Martha who has to be the boss, everyone's boss, Martha, you know, Martha makes sure that everyone's doing a good job, the right job on her time. You, you know who Martha is, right? Yeah, don't look at your neighbor, just keep looking forward. Martha comes to Jesus. Martha comes to Jesus and says, Lord, he has been dead for four days. Four days. See, Martha knew it all. See, she was right. He was stinky. The smell, she said, will be terrible. I mean, he stunk when he was alive. Can you imagine how he smells now? That's her brother, right? Jesus responded, didn't I tell you? How many of you have ever heard God tell you this? Didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? Yeah. Who, who is God talking to? 
didn't I tell you you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said this. Watch this. Father, thank you for hearing me. Now, you always hear me, Lord. Father, you always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these standing here. This was happening in front of everybody. Can you imagine what people were saying? Four days now, guys. What would you have said? That local Jesus is crazy, man. Resurrect, rode the the stone. I mean, I bet you, I'm just telling you, in your humanity, all of us, we have a lot of questions. We'd have to question that. But when Jesus says it, You always hear me, but I said it out loud because I wanted everyone else to hear me. I know you hear me, but I want them to hear me. You want to know when you run into someone who has faith in their life and understands that Jesus said, because I didn't read you the scripture here, but prior to that, they said, we know he's going to come back alive again after the resurrection. And, And Jesus said, I am the resurrection. So then he comes out to prove this. But Jesus said, I I, I know God hears me, but I want everyone else to hear me. People of faith don't care what people think. But they'll give out some praise. And they'll give out some just a little bit of word every now and then for everyone else to hear. Just as a defense for their faith. Have you ever been there before? Have you ever been the mockery of a certain situation? Have you ever been the one ridiculed because while you were sick or while you had a bad financial circumstance come your way and everyone knew about it? Were you the one that God tested and, and you had to fight for your faith, not fight for anyone else, but fight for your faith, and you ended up saying things out loud like, you know what, I know it looks bad now, but you know it may even stink a little bit, but I know that God's going to come through. This is a stinky situation. I don't know how I ended up here, but I do know one thing. God said this, and it is going to come to pass. I know that he can do it. I know that he will do it. He promised he would do it. Is there anybody here with the promise in this building that even though it seems dead, even though it feels like... I'm asking you, do you have family members right now that aren't saved? Do you have children that have gone so far away from God? I'm going to tell you something. If you want to see the resurrection do something, let it die. Let it go. Let it stink. Let it happen because God can't resurrect anything that isn't dead. Let it go. God's able. God can. Somebody say, God can. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, it may stink, but God's going to make it smell good again. (laughs) Then he shouted, Lazarus, come forth. And the dead man, listen to this, the dead man came out. Still called him a dead man even after he was resurrected. And he came out with his hands and his feet. Bound with grave clothes. His face wrapped around. That was a custom. 
it was a customary thing for the bodies to be wrapped. And that was the condition of everyone who was resurrected on the day that Jesus died. They came out of their death bound. Here's where we need to address today's topic. When we get saved, when we get resurrected from an old life, we need to understand that there is still a process to go through to get unwrapped. This is where many, many, many Christians miss it, and they fall while trying to come out of their grave still. They're still dead in some places and need to be converted and need to let the old nature let itself go. People trip up sometimes not because God trips them, but because they're still wrapped in their old nature. We give it an excuse. You know, the Apostle Paul used a, a, a reference when he said, um, who shall deliver me from this body of death? When you do the scripture study and do the in-depth study to that scripture in the Greek, it was actually in reference to something they did to people who they were punishing. What they used to do in Rome, they used to punish an individual by placing a dead body on their backs and strapping it to them. And what, what the idea was is that that, that rigor mortis in that body was, was so toxic and so, so it was such a strange thing that it would convey. They would eventually die themselves because of those, that disease. And, and, and that, that body would decompose and they would have to walk with it. And that's, was, that was brutal. But that's how brutal they were. And they, it would catch on to them. And then their body would begin to decompose because it was something dead on their life. And that's the reference that Paul was using. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? And then he says, I thank God through our Lord Jesus Christ that I don't have to in that body of death. He was referring to his old nature. That's what his old nature was. But he said, I thank God that there was somebody who came out and they left their old body behind and came in with a new body. They came in with a new spirit. And this is exactly what God did for those people. He gave them a second chance to walk on this earth. And this is exactly what God has done to us. While we were dead in our sins, Christ came and found you. And you were come out, you're coming out of a dark place in your life. But he brought you into his marvelous light. And even though you can start to see good when you're saved, we still trip up on the old nature. And here's what happens. We go back to our tombs. We're alive, but we go back until we see someone else come out that's doing it, and it gives us hope. That's why, this is why, when God does something good for you and God blesses you and God delivers you, 
you need to let everyone know because you don't know how many people, they say they're saved, they say they've got God, but you don't know if they're still in their tombs. You don't know if they feel like, okay, I don't know if I can do this because fear and hurt and unforgiveness is still there and they're still wrapped up in it. But God says, hey, listen, I don't care how bad it is. If you'll just trust me and believe in me, I'm going to take this situation and make it for God's glory and turn it all around. But it's up to us. You see, there was nobody in those sepulchers when those people were resurrected. They had to unwind, unwind, unwind themselves. There are some things that God will do and there are other things God won't do. God will cast every devil out of your life. God will cast out every addiction that's there. But you've got to deal with your flesh. Who am I talking to? This is not an Easter service, but... It's supposed to be. But I'm giving hope to somebody and telling someone it doesn't matter how bad it looks. There is hope. There is power. And here's the key. The last point today is this. Come on, Haley. When it's time to go, you just need to go. Them people had built up expectation inside those tombs, and they were waiting to get out. Can you imagine three days to think about this, three days to get unwound, three days in thinking, what just happened? What am I doing? What, what, what is this? I can't wait to see my family. I can't wait to go testify. I can't. Do you remember when you first got saved? How many of you remember when you first got saved? Man, you wanted to tell everybody what happened, right? You wanted to tell everybody what God did, and you didn't even think about if they thought you were crazy. It didn't matter. We need that back in our life again. We need that excitement back in our heart. It is possible for God to resurrect you again and give you a freshness in your life as long as you remember that your starting place in life is at the cross. Someone say, on your mark. See, are you on your mark? Are you established and have confidence in the stability of what the cross has done? In order to push and thrust you forward in your faith, you have to have faith in the cross. Get set. That means that your mindset has to change. Your mindset has to change. It doesn't matter how bad your circumstance is. It doesn't matter who knows about your situation. But you have to let God do the work on you. And you have to be, let your mind get focused and see yourself winning. See, every, every sprinter that runs in the Olympics, they say that if they don't find themselves and their minds crossing and making it first, they might as well not even run. Get set. Get your mind set. Let God heal your mind. Let God heal your spirit. Let God heal you. And as you begin to get healed, you'll start to shed off every hurt. You'll start to unloose yourself from everything that has you bound. For the weight, Paul said, that easily besets us in the sin. Because lots of times we stay in sin because we are hurt. But if you'll get your mind set and recognize that he died for your sin, 
he was wounded. Let's talk about Good Friday. The only good thing about a the only good thing about Good Friday was the blood. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Every bad thing that happened, Jesus is going to work out for our good. And we need to reset our minds here on this Resurrection Sunday and remember that our Savior rose again so we can rise out of our circumstance. One day we will rise to eternal life. One day we will be with Him forever. But why wait till then to see the resurrection work? Why wait till then to see power in your life? Why wait till you get to heaven to be blessed and be happy and be joyful and feel blessed and confess the blessings of God in your life? I'm saying to you today, today is the day the Lord has made. Today he is alive. Today, don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait till things are perfect. Don't wait till things are right. He's already stepped out of the tomb. Step out of yours today. Come on, stand to your feet here this Sunday morning. Here's what I want to leave you with. Here's what I want to leave you with. Here's what I want to leave you with. If you've been resurrected, get out of your tomb. If you've been resurrected, get out of your tomb. Jesus already came out. It's time for you to come out. It's time for you to have faith in the cross. It's time for someone to start living for God. Living for God. It's time for people to allow yourself to be buried with him and rise again. If you've not been water baptized, we would love to water baptize you. If you did it years ago and you've gone through some things and feel dirty, it's okay. We'll baptize you again. I can show you in the Bible where they got rebaptized. I'll show it to you. If you've not made Jesus your Lord and Savior and you've not had the place where you don't know where to begin to run your race, it starts at the cross. Make him your Lord and Savior. Let him give, him, let him give you your footing to start walking and living for God. But it is time for us to accept the fact that our Savior rose again, and he didn't just rise for us to sit, he rose for us to stand and to run and to live and to be happy and to see our family say, if you believe this, will you raise up your hands here? If you've not given your life to Jesus, will you just make this your prayer and say, Father, in Jesus' name, forgive me today for my sins. Father, I am ready to commit to you. I am ready to live for you. I am ready to surrender my life. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for that today. In Jesus' name. Now everybody, lift up your hands and give him a shout of praise. He's alive. He came out of the grave. Somebody worship him. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.